Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. EPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream or wherever you get your podcasts. Someday we'll forget the rainbow connection. The lovers, the dreamers, and me. La 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 I am one of your co-hosts, Anthony Corona. I am here as always with President of Blind LGBT Pride, Gabriel Lopez Cafati. Say hi, Gabe. Hi, everyone. Our engineer extraordinaire and really basically unofficial slash official co-host, Byron Lee, is in the background. He'll be managing our hands and letting us know when we have people who want to join in the conversation. Say hi, Byron. Well, hello. I'll, I'll remember to actually unmute myself this time. Hi, everybody. Hello. <laughs> hi, Byron. So this is part two of an interesting discussion that we started last week. And for those of you who are joining us again and listen to us last week, you know that we were looking at two rather interesting articles that talked about Gen X and Gen Z and the varying um, <laughs> identifications or lack of identifications for whatever reasons. And we're gonna dive into that conversation in a moment. I want to uh, say hi to Gabriel and give him a chance to share his president's message if he has one for us this week. <laughs> I don't think I have a president's message. I think my president's message is going to blend in, blend right into the topic because um, it, it's 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 amazing how um, I I was able to structure my own ideas and organize my own thoughts after last show um, and bring them to my personal life, my personal experience, and and. Uh, and I realized that information, you know, the 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 key to all of this is information, um, the accessibility of information uh, at the tip of our fingers in seconds. You have information and uh, the ability of connecting, of finding community, of finding um, others who share our life experiences is uh is so invaluable and it's such an amazing amazing phenomenon that has allowed uh, newer generations to to just openly embrace their identity and connect with others who share their same life experiences and form communities form bonds and uh realize that they're not alone out there um so having said that, uh, I think we can, like you said, Anthony, dive right into the topic and talk about uh, the newer generations and uh, how much attention they're paying to 
gender roles and what uh, gender roles used to mean in the past. So well, I want to paint a picture for everyone. And I've dated myself on this show. People have a general idea of how old I am, although, you know, in the LGBTQ world for pre- um, pre-finding the love of my life I always shaved off five or seven years of the age-wise and got away with it but um picture it late 90s um back when most people still had beepers rather than cell phones when you sat at your computer and wanted to get on this crazy thing called the world wide web you had to listen to a bunch of beeping chirpings static and then all of a sudden you'd hear welcome to aol if you wanted to um get some interesting reading material you could go to a bodega or a certain kind of bookstores and they'd have one or two racks of stuff and for those of us that wanted um wanted lgbtq material you'd usually have to go around to the back side of the rack and there'd be maybe one or two of the bottom shelves with reading material and of course, they'd slip it into a brown paper bag when you bought it so that um, people wouldn't see on the street what you had. I, um, I went to high school. I played baseball. And um, I played baseball with this kid. He was actually two years younger. And um, he had two mommies way, way, way before it was okay or cool or anything like that. And um, actually you know, for, for a long time, no one knew what his family situation was. And um, there were a few of us when we found out that were, I guess you could call it supportive or it didn't really matter to us one way or the other. And, and kind of did the whole bro circle thing, you know, when others would say anything stupid, but it was an, it was a completely different world. And when I got to college and, you know, really took a look at myself in the mirror and said, you know, well, what am I, what is this? What am I feeling? Who am I? You know, I, I had to contend with the idea of going back to Brooklyn and Staten Island and how was I going to live, you know, one life and explore the feelings. And I could get on the Internet, but, you know, pages took pages took minutes <laughs> upon minutes upon minutes to load. And every time you got to the bottom of a page, you'd have to wait another minute or two for the next page to load, you know, or you could, you know find those books or those magazines and, and uh, keep them hidden under your bed. Hmm. And so it kind of, you know, I, I, so the second part of this story I actually told last week, it boggles my mind around my, you know, not around at my 10 year reunion, we were actually having it the same week that, um, that my high school was holding the prom for that year. And that year they elected two prom queens who were, lesbian girls who had been together for a while. They were wildly popular at school. One was a cheerleader and the other one was a mini little dyke. Um, and if you called her anything other than a mini little dyke, you would have gotten, you know, you she probably could have taken me and taken me hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what a difference 10 years can make. And I'm not going to say how many years ago that was, but you know, the, we've gone around the sun a bunch of times since then. And, uh, so that leads into this conversation and we have a couple of people on and if you'd like to quickly tell what it was like when you were coming out in, and then we'll get into, you know, what's, what it's like now, that is cool. If you want to say hello, tell us who you are, where you are and, and you're a short version of your story. Well, hi, this is Tom in Orlando, Florida. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, 
I uh, I listened to uh, the podcast last last week, and I can really relate to Gabe's story as a little kid, only a few years earlier. But uh, that's another subject. Uh, but I was raised in a very you know sixty late sixties early seventies very in there was no tolerance whatsoever. There was. You didn't talk about it. You didn't, you know, say you saw someone that was really strange. And I thought I was the only one like felt this way. So I just, you know, but I was the youngest of four and my brothers were all into baseball and sports. And, you know, I mean, not that I didn't get out, learn to swim and ride bikes and do all that kind of stuff, but I also wanted to play piano and uh, <laughs> read books and all that. And my <laughs> And my father was the original Archie Bunker. And what stopped me from playing the piano, because he thought it was a little sissy and a, the word they used then was homo, uh, yeah. said, no child of mine, no son of mine is going to sit here in the house and play piano. So he pulled the keyboard cover out and dropped it on my fingers. Ooh. And uh, so, like I said, there was no tolerance and it got... Uh, I heard stories of men getting beat up. I mean, it was, it was no tolerance. It got very violent at the times. And, uh, I was raised in a very, uh, where was this Bob? Uh, Northeast, huh. Northeast Ohio in a very Italian <laughs> Ro Roman Catholic neighborhood where, you know, Anthony, you could probably relate to religion is very important and the food was all good, but religion was you know we all went through our first communion together confirmation and all that but you didn't talk about sex and you were just a little sissy you were just a little odd that's all you were just a little odd but no one in high school uh you got beat up you know constantly i got beat up by my own brother i think i've told related that story before but there was no tolerance whatsoever and uh i was telling the story earlier i just the last couple of days, I've been in, I interviewed my uh, great niece and my great nephew who are 25 and 26. And then I interviewed the kids that live next door to me. They're college kids from 21 to 24. And I asked them about how do you relate to LBGQ? And uh, they just looked at me. I mean, what, why are you even asking? And what I kind of found, I found some, my nephew had told me some really fascinating things. Now they both went through uh, Catholic school and in Catholic high school, they had to take classes of race, different religions and an LBGQ class. And uh, my nephew told me, so look, look, my best friend from kindergarten, we all went to school together. We all through the Catholic school. He graduated from college and came out of the closet. I knew it. He's still my best friend. He goes, but Uncle Tom, we, in our generation, we don't pick our friends for who they sleep with. We pick our friends for their integrity and character. And I thought that was a profound statement for a young man. That's, yeah, that is pretty profound. Very much so. And uh kids next door, college kids here at UCF, and there's three girls and one young man who's, who's gay, and they all live together, they all get along, and they, and they kind of related, yeah, we relate to LBGQ, uh, but we're not gay, but we're 
very accepting and like they said the same thing it's the character of the person that we go after and the integrity to make good friends um and it's, and one girl said yeah because you know we say you know we're lbgq so all of a sudden everybody thinks that we're gay and we're not you know but we're but the tolerance is so much better these days i mean there is tolerance there is you know it's just not as hateful and hateful as when I grew up, and uh, but my yeah, and, and my brother, right after high school, said, "Oh well, you know, he's the oldest brother. My father had just had just died, so he's taken over his father. He has he, you have to get you have to be with a girl. You have to be with a girl. Go get a girl. Get you know, find a girl." So I did, and like you know, I think like Gabe said, he had a girlfriend for two years. Well, I had. Got his girlfriend. She was in my high school class, and we dated. And uh, one thing led to another, and it was one time, and things changed. Uh, she got pregnant, and that, and, and you know, she get pregnant. She's telling me she's pregnant, and I'm trying to come out of the closet. I don't think this mm. is going to work. <laughs> it worked for about thirteen months, and that was about it. Uh. I so. Tom, I think what you said before that about the, the neighbors being accepting, I think that's the word better than tolerance when you're accepted. Tolerance is you're just putting up with. Right. Exactly. Being, the better you know, you're just right. putting up with something. Well, I'm better yeah. than that, but I'll 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 let them survive. But right. being accepting, they accepted that means, you know, it's it's a whole different meaning to it. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. It, I think the, I, all the young yeah. people I talk to are very accepting of whoever you are. As long as you have good character and you have some integrity and you're doing something with your life, that's the friends they want to make. They don't. That's care. the key word, accepting. Yes. I think they are much more accepting nowadays. I had an interesting experience today. Um, obviously, I sound like I'm a girl, but in my heart and soul, I have always been a boy or a male. And so I went out and bought myself new shirts today. And I shopped in the men's department and got myself two really cool men's t-shirts. And when I went up to the cash register, they ring out and the guy says, oh, thank you, ma'am. He was in his twenties. And I says, but I'm not a girl. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. And he was just really totally accepting of it. He so tell us, <laughs> tell us who you are and um, where you're from. Um, my name is Nathalie. Um, I live in Southern California, Ventura County. And um, like Tom was saying, I'm probably older than most of you. Um, and I can think back as far as to when I was 10. Before then, I was pretty much unaware of things. But at least as far back as when I was 10, in my heart and soul, I've always been a male. And I've worked with males my whole life. I did roofing, um, paints and coating, stuff like that. I mean, I got up on the roof and did roofing. I didn't, you know, I didn't set it behind the desk. And the guys I worked with, they would always say, oh, you're just one of the guys, Nathalie, because they recognized in me that I really was one of the guys. And, um, but it's just recently that I've really totally embraced it. I worked for 30 years for the government with men and stuff and after i retired it was like oh you know i should embrace my feminine side too because i kind of look like i'm a girl 
So that was really an interesting experience. But it was just recently that I really decided that I should embrace all of me and embrace the fact that, you know, I feel like I'm a male. And I identify with that more than I do identify with being a female. And so it's been a really interesting experience for me. Unfortunately, my parents and grandparents are all gone. And, but they would be totally accepting of that. And my sisters are very accepting of it. Of course, and it's funny that you should mention uh, playing the piano. I happen to be a professional pianist um, and I play in church. Um, I played in church for like 10,000 years. <laughs> and I can just see me coming out to either one of the churches that I work for. <laughs> they would probably have a heart attack, but that's something that I'm, going to be doing in the near future. Uh, one reason I haven't done it yet is because we, you know, we've been in this coronavirus situation where nobody's going to church or doing anything. So that is something that I'm looking forward to telling people. But my a lot of my friends know and they're very accepting of it. So I think that's really, really cool. And that's, um, that's one other That's thing really... I want to mention is I just read this really interesting book called I'm Not a Girl. And mm. I'm, a, I'm also a writer and I have two stories that I'm writing right now. One is about uh, an Anazazi Indian boy who is a two-spirit person. He is obviously, he, he looks like a male, but he, and he always thinks of himself as a female. And they always tell him, you know, go play with the boys. And he says to himself, or he says in the book, well, I don't always feel like a boy. Some days I feel like a girl. So I'm writing that story. And then the other stories that I'm writing, whenever I read books about unicorns, it's always little girls that have unicorns. And I think, why do little girls only have unicorns? I think boys should have unicorns. So I'm writing a story about a boy who has a unicorn, has a boy unicorn, and he is looking for courage, integrity, honesty and truth. So those would be the four things I'm gonna, it's gonna be a four part series. So I'm looking forward to writing those. And I work with a, one of the organizations here in my town called One Step All of Ace. And they work with LGBTQ um, young people here in town. So I've really been working with them a lot for the last couple of years. Well, thank you very much. I, I'm very thrilled <laughs> that you felt comfortable to, to share that you know these portions of your experience going back um you know when you were working on the roofs and and when you were working in government were there you know were there things in society that you latched onto were there were there images or or conversations out there that you know that you could feel at home in that that brought the you know brought what you were feeling to to light and to a place where you could commune with with others no, not while I was working. It's only been in the last couple of years that I've really totally embraced this idea of myself and understood more about myself. And it was like when I finally realized who I really was, it was just so exciting. I'm going, wow, I finally know the whole me. It was just so cool. And so, um, but I'm sure that the the two guys that I worked with, my buddies, um, Val and John would have been totally comfortable with whatever I said to them. We were just really, really good friends and I still actually keep in touch with John. So um, 
it wouldn't have been a problem. So one of the things, you know, in the counter article that we that we shared with everyone last week was a supposition coming from a religious space, of course. Um, but it was a supposition that the numbers that we're seeing now, the people that are actually standing up and identifying themselves or, you know, refusing to identify themselves because they want to have whatever choices they feel they want is because, you know, it is so much more open. There's so much more representation in the media, on television, in movies, in, you know, literature. So from what I'm hearing from the stories that we heard last week and the stories that we're hearing tonight, my own story, of course, um, it doesn't seem like anyone influenced any of us into feeling the things that we felt. Um, would you guys say that that's a fair representation? Do you yes. think that yeah. along the way, something, something in the media or a movie or a hot scene somewhere, you know, triggered something in you and suddenly, you know, now you're, you're feeling the things you're feeling? Oh, exactly. Exactly. It's just, uh, uh, when you said choice, that, that reminds me of, uh, the discussion I had a long time ago with my sister and she just said, well, you made this choice to live this lifestyle. And I said, really? I am so glad you said that because I am sure what you're about to say is it's not a choice. I was born this way and, oh. you know, I have to live my truth. Well, However, I also I also said, why would I pick a lifestyle at that time? Where yeah. I, could, I could get beat up. I could get killed. I could get fired from a job just because of my sexual preference. Yeah. But see, the Gen X and the Gen Z generations seem to be floating more back towards choice, being able to have the openness to choose how they want to express themselves, how they want to um, shape the way they feel into how they present themselves in life and, and, and present you know, a, a, a being based upon their feelings rather than, you know, I'm gonna identify, I'm gay and I'm only gay. I'm bi and I can have the best of both worlds. I'm trans, so I'm gonna get it cut off or I'm gonna get one and add it on. Right. You know, there's- <laughs> Well, the thing is that what what I, what I wanna say about, uh, you know, and this is something that BPI is working on and it's a personal, uh, it is a personal project that I wanna take on um, because I think we, we, we we're still short of, covering the entirety of what inclusive language is, at least in my perspective. And um, and this is a personal view. Um, I would like to make it a, um, a project of this organization, but um, there are certain words that we need to start um, exploring and explaining as well. And um, and, and, and from our personal experiences, we should be uh, educating people. Uh, yes. One word that honestly bothers me a lot is um, lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. To me, being gay is not a lifestyle or sexual orientation is not a lifestyle. Uh, lifestyle is uh, being vegan. Lifestyle is practicing yoga lifestyle is drinking something wine. you choose 
Exactly. Oh, Byron, find Robin Leach. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other, yeah, the yoga. other. <laughs> You're showing your age, the, Anthony. The other, um, the other word that I want to, you know, kind of dissect in a, in a future either program or project of VPI is um, sexual preference because preference uh, denotes the the. Uh, it implies that there is that there that that is there a choice, exactly that there are options. Um, now, Anthony, to what you were saying, as far as uh, Gen X and Gen Z now being more fluid and uh, being more open in terms of sexual identity, I think uh, that is. And, 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 and bear with me because I'm trying to organize my own thoughts before I put them out there. I think the, the, base, the basic framework is there. So the framework um, is, uh, is not an option. It's not a preference. It's not a choice. The framework is there. Within that framework, the newer generations are saying, okay, I am sexually fluid. So I uh, sometimes feel like a boy. Sometimes I feel like a girl. But that is within the framework of what it is to be um, uh, fluid in the identity. Um, same thing with people who are bisexual or polyamorous or asexual. You know, the framework is there. It's just that they fluctuate. Uh, but it's within the the framework of of uh, whether it be fluidity or sexual identity. But but in general, it is not a preference. In general, it is not an option. It is not a choice. It is part of who we are. Yeah, I'd like to speak on this for a few seconds, if that's okay. Um, yes. So uh, I, I kind of want to uh, talk a little bit about what, what Anthony just mentioned about how, um, you know, people in older generations, they tend to sort of pick a lane and they stay in that lane, i.e., you know, I'm gay or I'm trans. And, and it's, you know, kind of like uh, hardcore. That's that's just what they are all the time. Um and, and as someone who identifies as pansexual um, and also genderqueer, um, I feel like, this is just kind of how I feel. Um, I'm not 100% gay because I also appreciate the female form. I don't feel like I am trans because I have zero interest in transitioning. But how I feel um, about about men or wanting to wear something more feminine changes from day to day. Um, and, and so that is a choice in that, um, you know, I, I can, I guess from one day to another, I can choose exactly how gay I want to be, but it doesn't mean that I had a choice over being this way. Like, exactly. you know, if I had to choose yeah. in the eighties, to want to wear my sister's dresses or not wear my sister's dresses, I would have chosen the latter, I would have chosen to be straight and to be quote unquote normal because I would have fit in better with society. I would have not stuck out as much. I didn't choose this. This is something that, that, um, I was born with. This is uh, the way that I am. 
um, period. I, I, you know, I didn't make a conscious decision to be this way. Um, so I think you can be fluid. I think you can be, uh, bisexual, pan, um, you know, gender queer, whatever sort of, uh, vague thing you want to be. It still means that you were born with the, um, the tendency to lean towards more, you know, LGBT, um, tendencies. I agree. Yeah. For a long yeah, time, our community, you know, would, and they, they present it in joking form often, you know, I, the one that comes to mind often is, you know, bisexual is the rest stop on the highway to Gayville. Um, you know, and I think in, in the movements in, in making, you know, the strides socially that, you know, civil, civilly and socially that we, that we made, it, it caused a, a militant attitude where if you were still hiding your sexuality, your, who you were inside, then you really weren't a true part of the movement. And you were actually doing a disservice to the movement. And somehow that morphed over, over the years into this, this, you know, divide between the generations where, like you said, there's this kind of pick a lane um, from, you know, for me personally, I'm much more gay than I am straight. <laughs> now, having said that, I was practically engaged. Um, I didn't have a pregnancy scare, thank God. Um, but, but, you know, and it was good. It was really good. So when the feelings started to come, you know, and being the time and place and Catholic family, et cetera, et cetera, it was like, no, uh-uh, no, 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 this is no, this is not happening. This is not good. This is not going to happen. Um, but, you know, the... The having to pick a lane thing is is definitely you know it's it's phasing itself out and and I I applaud that incredibly. I I never liked the, you know the old adages oh bears don't like twinks and, and lesbians don't like any of the gay men and right. all, all the adages that came along because in fighting in fighting for you know the recognition and fighting for the the rights that we all deserve, you, we got pigeonholed and then. We turned it around and we pigeonholed each other, and and mm-hmm. thankfully Gen X and Gen Z is is sort of out of that league. They, you know, you don't have that, you know, and and it's it's like you go to you know an, an LGBTQ center and you sit with a you know with a younger group, um, and, and you'll hear twenty different expressions of of personality, of who they are, of sexuality, of of life experiences, etc., and there's like one gay, one completely gay person, one completely lesbian person, and like 20 other identifications. And that's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, nobody's forcing anybody to pick a lane anymore. And that's, but, you know, that's to me where we need to be as a community. We right. need to stop, you know, we need to stop trying to make each other look or be like something that we think that they should look or be like. Yeah. So Tom, you wanted to say, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Byron. Oh, I just have a really interesting story. And and I realized that for the second time in history, I'm kind of outing myself on one of your shows, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I, I've talked about this in BPI WhatsApp groups and I've talked about it in private 
um, conversations, you know, Zoom conversations, um, but mm. I've never been public about it. And it's not, you know, it's still something that I have some embarrassment over. But, but I, you know, I just kind of outed myself as someone who is, you know, has a tendency to be interested in playing around with gender norms. And um, so I had a very interesting night with one of my friends where, two of my friends actually, uh, where we were very drunk and I decided that I wanted to show them all the things that I had in my closet. Um, and so showing them various articles of clothing and, and things. And they're like, well, you should like put those on. We'd love to see that. And I got really embarrassed and shut down. I got, you know, the shame hit me all of a sudden, you yeah. know, like I was yeah. embarrassed. I was, I was, yeah. you know, like the, the, the negativity towards boys doing anything feminine, just all of that life, you know, childhood of, and, and I don't mean for this to be like a session of me bashing my father on the air. Cause my dad is a product of his time and, and he responded to my, uh, weirdness with, you know, his, with his, um, you know, the way he was raised was that's not right. You don't let your boys do that sort of thing. And so while it was wrong, I realized at my older age that this was not something that he was doing out of malice or ill intent, but more uh, that it was just, you know, it was not considered normal in his, in his youth or in his life. But when I was very young, I came home from the foundation for blind children uh, with my fingernails painted at like age five, because they thought it would be interesting to try and experiment to see if, if we paint these low vision kids fingers, will it help them with their hand eye coordination? Will it help them see where their fingers are going better? And my dad just lost his mind and, um, said that, you know, no, no son of his was going to be a sissy and all this other stuff. And he just yes. lost his mind. Yes. And so all of that white hot shame of, oh my God, this isn't normal. This is weird. You guys are staring at me and, 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 and I don't want to do this in front of people. This is weird. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then I looked at my friend's shirt and it said, <laughs> she's got the coolest shirt. It said, gender norms are canceled. And she goes, Byron, look at my shirt. Do I look like the kind of person that would care? If you decided that you wanted to wear that, and yeah. I went, mm, good point, <laughs> and so well, I've slowly kind of awesome. gotten over it. But and you know, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It's yeah. it's yeah. hard, man. There's it's something cool. in what you just said, though, that we need to we need to address right now. Um, in in prior Pride connections and other conversations we've had, you talk about your weirdness often, and 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 I get where you're coming from, and I understand the genesis of it, but. I would absolutely love to see a transition in you where your weirdness becomes your Byronness. Yes. You know, yeah. I remember when, you know, when I was a little kid and, and, you know, you'd be told about, you know, kids that like to read and, and kids that want to play with something that's different than their gender and how we, you know, how we need to accept and, and it's, you know, who they are and to love them for who they are, et cetera, et cetera. But I also grew up in New York. You know, if I took that stuff home, my father would have smacked me upside the back of the head. And then he would have <laughs> grabbed my mother, my mother's wooden spoon and smacked me, you know, in other areas harder. Um, you know, but again, you know, staring in that in that in that mirror in college, I, I decided what my Anthony-ness is. And that, right. you know, right. just because I wanted to express my my desires with a man didn't mean that that took anything away from me being baseball or being masculine or having, you know, having my identity as a man 
any less than every other baseball player on that team that was, you know, taking girls into the backseat or behind the bleachers. Right. So I really, really, Byron, would hope that as, you know, as our conversations progress, um, it goes from your weirdness to your Byronness. Well, and and when I say weirdness, I hope, weird. when I say weirdness, I hope that you guys realize that to me, uh, you know, weirdness is a good thing. I have always embraced my weirdness. Um, I still like to call it weird because you know uh, it it is weird. But but I totally em- embrace that 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 I'm weird. You have to remember, one of my idols is Weird Al Yankovic. So yeah. Weird Al, weird <laughs> is not a bad word in my dictionary. Yeah. I want to go back. Uh, it's not a negative for you, Byron. I'm a crazy-ass musician. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. I would like to go back to uh, what Byron said about staying in the lane. I think um, just in my experience and where I was raised, we could not stay in one lane. We had to stay in both lanes because, and mainly for protection because uh, when someone told me to go to go to this go to this gay bar, I didn't know they existed. But you could. There was no signs on the building. There was no gay flags out at that time. Now and then, when you had to go and you had to buzz, get buzzed into these buildings that were not in great neighborhoods, and you go in and there's like this really great gay bar. But I didn't know they were there. But I and then I think towards the you know, in late 70s, early 80s, you know, Studio 54 and all the dance clubs came out. I think that's when people started getting in their lane and staying in there. But we had to like kind of protect ourselves still in the, you know, mid 70s, late 70s, because you still could get beat up or shot or, you know. Well, Tom, that's that's a societal um, that's a societal pressure put on, you know, the community itself put pressures on each other and and you know definitely you know the the sneaking in and out of the bar that was you know in the middle of a residential block that couldn't possibly you know you didn't they wouldn't even play the music beyond a certain point because they didn't want the cops coming because the neighbors and you know you were afraid to go to your car that you know that's all the societal pressures and that's all the things that we were fighting against but somewhere along the way, we started fighting each other. We did, and we, we you did. know, and that's so. Gabriel has his his pet project, and my pet project is we don't have trans representation. Um, it, we have a very small representation of trans. We have a very small representation of gender fluidity because they've been turned away from the community in the past. Um, not by me, not by BPI, but unfortunately, you know, in in um, in social situations and things, no, you're actually not one of us. Well, no, yeah, yeah you, you are. are. And one yeah. of us is all of us, including our straight allies, including, you know, my best friend's mom, who used to come to the gay bar with us, you know, and, and hand out, um, what do you call them, the uh, calzones, excuse me, the mini calzones, and hang out and do shots. You know, you, everyone's one of us as long as as long as you have an open heart and open mind. Right. And I will never yeah. forget the time I actually saw her kiss another woman, and she's like, "No, I'm I'm still gonna go with men." But damn, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I, I think we divided in our own community sometimes. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's been movies and books and things that, you know, show 
200 years from now, 500 years from now, where society is, there's no male, there's no female, there's no religion, you know, and, and it's more of a tribal setting. And I think, you know, if you go back and you look at anthropology work and you look at, you know, the ancient civilizations and tribal civilizations and things, there was very, very little gender, you know, gender, uh, not bias, what's the word? You know, the men went out and hunted. Yeah, the women did what they did. But everybody took care of the family. There was it was a, it was a tribe. It was a family thing. And there's been gay LGBT. There's been, you know, cross-dressing, transsexual, oh. fluidity. It's it's always been here. It's, so, we just didn't we didn't have the knowledge. And it goes back to how Gabe opened up the conversation, at, you know, at the top of the show. It wasn't represented. It wasn't out there. You couldn't go to an encyclopedia and look up gender fluidity. It didn't exist. The Encyclopedia Encyclopedia Britannica, let's say 1986, you would not find gender fluidity. You would not find transsexual. You would not find transgender. You would not find binary, non-binary. So, you know, the more that's, the more that society has given space for us to give the representations of the different choices that there are and i don't mean choices that you you pick okay today i'm going to be gay and tomorrow i'm not going to be gay but the different the different pans on the spectrum is much better word than choice the easier it is for people to assimilate it into their mm. into their own brain and yeah i'm gonna get i'm gonna kick my soapbox right out the door as soon as i'm done with this last statement this is why years and years and years ago I gave up on gay pride parades for a very long time. It was too. very commercial. It was very ugly. Corporate. Corporate. <laughs> it was corporate, yes. but also it was, it was, I, 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 the only word that comes to mind is too in your face, but mm -hmm. I don't mean it. It, it, it. it was too in your face in the ugly side of the representation. I got so much more out of life from a couple that I met when I was like 22 years old that had been together for 40 years, they introduced me to the amazing Shirley Bassey. They had bought a house, lived a life together, had a foster kid that they had raised, you know, and jobs that were, you know, awesome, <laughs> a life that was awesome. They had pictures on the, with the pyramids and that. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's close enough to what I want to be, not what I see you know, going down Fifth Avenue and into Christopher Street in Manhattan, you know, leather chaps with no, with no ass. <laughs> you know, that, I don't know anything about that. That's not, you know, that's. Sure. So I am kicking the soapbox <laughs> off. Somebody take the mantle and run with what I just said. Well, I, I just uh, wanted to say that um, we live in, 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 you know, we, we, we landed in this time and age where everything is already fabricated, everything is already uh, served for us. And um, I've been reading a lot uh, of, of interesting books and um, knowledge, uh, if, if going back to, to what we were, or you guys were saying earlier, I'm uh, gonna go about uh, the times in which roles were not defined and civilization was not what it is now. Um, we started acquiring knowledge, but actually knowledge became lies, you know, became 
the fabrication of someone who decided to institute knowledge and transfer that knowledge. And then now we, we got fed with the knowledge that someone else fabricated and we take it as truth or we have to take it as truth. So gender roles or, uh, you know, being gay is, is, is not natural or, you know, someone who's transgender is, 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 is not true. They, they you know, a, a man is born in the body of a man and a woman is born in the body of a woman. All those things is knowledge, aka lies, that we inherited for many, 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 many years of civilization. And now it's just a matter of being true to ourselves. And I think that once we are true to ourselves and we are courageous enough to rebel against that quote unquote knowledge that has been forced on us, then you know then it, it becomes a matter of of acceptance uh, is it knowledge or a role but that's the thing Gabe. you know if you look at gen x and gen z you know as a whole these these issues don't exist the way they exist for us right. and you know and that's a beautiful thing and and yeah it is take it, it is. even and, one step and i also back, applaud that i applaud that extremely if you take that one step back and, and you look at it from the context, where does all this stuff start? Where did it all, you know, where did it all start to quote unquote go wrong? And where it all went wrong is when a group of guys started writing books that became, a, you know, a living gospel that we were all supposed to believe came from, you know, the supreme being, whichever being you believe in, you know, that he whispered these words into these men's heads and they put it to tablet, stone, paper, you know, scrolls, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and through the years, it became a doctrine, and we're moving away from that. And to take it, you know, just another step, that's why the the, the far rights of both Christian and, and Islam and, and all the, the various religions that have the anti, it's because they're trying to hold on to that power structure. They're trying to hold on to that control mechanism that was put into place you look at the King James Bible version versus some of the scrolls that they found in various ancient sites, including the Dead Sea, and they don't match. They no. don't come because and actually, men... um, there are not any specific references to homosexuality in the Bible. There are exactly. not. No, there aren't. Yeah, no, there are not. Because a power group, and unfortunately, yeah. it's been men a power group of men through the ages has decided to take these and make them norms that we're going to have to live by so that they can control so that they can and have... don't remember that they have picked and chosen which ones <laughs> they want to you know it's it's been it's been a it's been a uh <laughs> oh it's, absolutely it's, Joseph it's, Smith it's, got all it's not a blanket statement they pick which ones they want to enforce and which ones they want to ignore Oh my God, exactly. You take a man, you know, you take a story like Joseph Smith, who, you know, was told by the quote unquote form of Jesus in the woods to find a rock, make a hole in the hat. You can find the, the, and then 20 years later, 
when he was tired of his wife and he was tired of the life he was living, suddenly Jesus popped up and appeared to him again and said, oh, I forgot to tell you, you can also have as many wives as you want and they have to be your servants. And boom, suddenly it's part of the doctrine. You know, it's, it's a pick and choose. It's always been a pick and choose thing. And that's what Gen X and Gen Z as a whole seem to be they don't even have to rebel against it. They, they've come into the world in a place where, you know, it's it's part of the fluid of their society. It's part of the fluid of their of their life. And so hopefully, God willing, 50 years from now, you know, my niece and nephew, their children, it won't even be a question. They'll look back and go, oh, those, right, you know, right. those people with their cell phones and their, and their Wi-Fi, because by then they'll probably be, be exchanging text messages brain to brain. You know, look at those ancient idiots. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my mother used to say uh, when I, you know, would question, you know, things about myself or, you know, uh, the lifestyle. Of, no, I don't want to say lifestyle anymore. Uh, my gaze. The way you live. <laughs> yeah. And my mother and I said, well, everybody's telling me in the Bible that it's wrong. And my mother just said, and my mother was a Bible scholar. She was very religious. She's, she's very well educated. Uh, she said, well, anybody can take the Bible and rewrite it to justify their lies. Exactly. And, and that yeah. was like, I remember that. Uh, all, you, you can know, justify anything through the Bible. Yeah. But just all you have to do is tweak the words and people will believe you. You know, religious in its purest, religion in its purest form is community. And community is a beautiful thing. We're humans. You know, we're not, we're not built to not live in a communicable way. Unfortunately, you know, the associations that have been written into the religions have turned it into something that's a, that's a continual power struggle. And we're free thinkers we offend their sensibilities we make them think about their own lives the most strident homophobic people tend to be people that have questions in most within themselves they have feelings and they are so brainwashed into into thinking that it's wrong and they're and it's the devil coming up inside them etc that you know they turn it into rage and they turn it into destruction and what it truly is, is, is just experimentation within oneself. That's little true. kids, if you watch them play, a little kid, if he's playing with his trucks and there's four girls and they're making sandcastles and playing with dolls, he'll leave his truck and he'll go play because he wants the community, he wants the friendship, and it doesn't matter to him. He'll try to ask them if, he, if they can put the Barbie in the truck or whatever, but if they don't want the truck, He'll play with them and their dolls and and the sandcastles, because when we don't come out of the womb with these with these ideologies in our head, they're all placed into us as we as we navigate through the world. Well, it's and funny. that's what Gen X and Gen Z. That's you know they're not they're not coming into the world that we came into. So it's so much it's so much more freeing in that you know in that way because we are already tainted with what we went through and what we saw the people that came before us, what they had to go through. So we're still, we're always gonna be tainted with that. 
And thank God they're not tainted with that. And the generation after them is going to, like I said, is going to look back at us and say, oh, those ancient folks that had to text message on a little screen. Well, yeah. How dumb were they? So I, yeah. I want to I wanna yeah. share something that I just thought of. And it's the first time I'm going to I'm going to pull a Byron and I'm going to come out. <laughs> oh no! Connection. Come out, come out, whoever you You're want. Gonna come out. You're gonna come out <laughs> again. This, this is right now. Listening to to Anthony talk about toys, um, trucks, and all that. Obviously, I loved playing with my cousin's Barbies. Uh, but again, anyone who knows me knows that my hugest passion is airplanes. I I, I have I had my collection of airplanes. I did um, too. So, so it's, so it's you know it's it's that dual thing. But what I wanted to what I wanted to come out to, and, and and it's so funny because I just thought of it. I remember one time I was playing with my cousin's Barbies and a group of family members. Some obviously my mother, my dad included, some of my aunts and uncles. Uh, you know, just raised hell and said, "No, th those are not toys for you to play with." here are the toys that you need to play with and i had uh, my cousins and i had a uh we shared a collection of the action figures of he-man um so he-man skeletor <laughs> all of those and among those uh action figures there was um the uh, not not shira shira was not out at that tila. time there was tila tila, tila. who was so Tila was dead so easy. Yeah, <laughs> Tila. Uh, guess what? Gabriel <laughs> said, "Okay, we gotta play with human action figures. Okay, we'll play with action human action figures." So then, all of a sudden, I had all my cousins organized that after the battle, after the war, after the you know good versus evil, <laughs> good guys won. So Heman and Shira, I mean Heman and Tila we're getting married and here is Gabriel and this is what I just just came to my brain here I am grabbing a roll of paper towels and I started making a wedding dress for Tila oh. <laughs> oh, did you turn Barbie's dream house into a cute little bed and breakfast <laughs> <You love it. laughs> So there I was, hey, on a know, hill. I was I was playing with human action figures, but I was I was designing a wedding. <laughs> I was designing a wedding gown for Tila. Okay, well I'll come out with a story because remember the GI Joe dolls, you know the army. Oh yeah, yeah, real American hero. Yeah, well I was, you know, arm, we had army trucks and, you know, the GI Joe dolls, and uh, my mother saw me in the backyard. I, I had a bunch of GI Joes and. But I had taken all their uniforms off. Oh, Tom, I was gonna say, let's oh, keep boy. it PG. Oh, how disappointed yeah. for you! How disappointing for you, Tom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just I remember, remember Army rules. I remember thinking, what? Why I was don't in the army? Nipples? What can I say? Yeah, <laughs> Anthony, you're right. <laughs> I, I remember thinking, why don't they have nipples? Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> and Barbie had those, they were they were on her. They were part of the of the doll. It was these little flowered panties that were part, like you couldn't take them off. They were they were in the, the actual molding of the doll. <laughs> How funny. It's they funny to funny hear you guys talk about playing with dolls because 
I was just the opposite. I had like a, a little fake rifle and a bow and arrow. That's what I played with all the time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think it's it's a shame that the double standard. Um, and I don't I don't know if it's this way today. Um, it, it, it might be. I'd I'd love to hear from some younger people about this to to see if they still struggle with this. But um, it's perfectly fine <clears throat> in the society that I grew up with for a girl to play with a bow and arrow and they might get a little yep. bit of grief be like why do you have to be yep. such a tomboy or whatever but there was no like shame like you're gonna go to hell or you're a weirdo or you're a pervert or whatever um there's no shame in in a in a girl doing boy things but at the minute a boy did a girl thing it was oh like my God, some yeah. horrible mm-hmm. sin girl that you had committed thing. you know and it was just uh it's just such a shame to see that and i feel like you know, I, I have some friends that um, they are raising a trans daughter and, you know, their their daughter made the decision to be trans at like age six or something. And um, I think that's awesome. I think that, you know, you got to let your child choose to, you know, experiment with gender and make the decision of how they want to present themselves at an early age. Um you know, and I think people think that, oh, you, that's too early. They need to be more informed. They need to be um, more educated or whatever. But I think that we know certain things about ourselves at a very, very young age. And it's, yes, it's we do. You know, the parents we need do. to let the children explore that so they can properly develop a sense of self instead of having to closet themselves for, you know, 20 years. And again, Byron, that goes back to, uh, I'm sorry, that I was just going to say that goes back to the quote unquote knowledge that we put into kids because, yeah. and, 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 you know, to a different degree or to a different, uh, with a different result uh, happened to me. Like I said, you know, last week, uh, you know, you, you, I felt something different inside me, but I was taught. The knowledge was that a boy must date a girl and marry a girl. And, 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 and even though inside me, I felt differently, uh, that was what I was taught. Right. And, 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 and that, was, yeah, that was what we have to accept as, as, as truth, as reality, as, as a norm. And, and if you feel differently, well, there's something wrong with you. Right. Well, I really hate to make this statement, but unfortunately, time is a very cruel mistress, and we are coming up at the end of this fascinating oh, broadcast. It's been so fun. It's been Byron, fun. I was wondering if I could give you a piece of homework. I would love for you to bring this episode of Pride Connection to Next Gen and see if any of the members would like to come on next week and let us explore this from the other side, from their perspective. And, and see, you know, after hearing our stories and our interpretations, what they think and what they can add to the conversation before we close it out as a topic for Pride Connection. Absolutely. I can, I can totally do that. Um, and cause I, I agree. I would really like to hear some younger voices, um, talk about what they've seen in, um, in society. I could talk a lot about, you know, what I've seen on TikTok, but I'm, I'm just about to age out of that bracket i'm i'm almost 40 so yeah, it's just about time for me to join you guys up on the porch with the rocking chairs I'm shocked. you know and... I'm shocked. <laughs> well everybody this is blind lgbt org. 
This is, I'm sorry, this is Pride Connection from blindlgbtpride.org. You can join us, you can message us, you can find out all about us, and you can come back next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. and hear the next part of this fascinating conversation. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org.